Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a wonderful human being on the show with us. His name is Dan Rockwell. Dan was referred to me by the inimitable Mark, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, John David Mann. I almost said somebody else. John David Mann referred Dan to me and he has a new book out and he's He's, he's, he has other books as well, but we're going to talk about his life and, and how we got to this book. So do me a favor, if you would, and share this out on every platform out there. We are live everywhere. So share it out to all of your friends and family, and let's get a bunch of people on here. And stay with us. I'll be right back with Dan Rockwell. And we are back. Let me bring Dan on. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Dan, I started this show about five, a little over five years ago. Um, was literally to help myself get unstuck in life, <laughs> and 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 it worked. Um, but you know, I, I I like to hear people's stories about how they struggled their way through life and one day finally got it. <laughs> and so um, I'm excited to hear your story. I'm excited to hear, hear Hopefully you've had some struggles along the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but, you know, I've had some people on though that I'm like, did anything ever go wrong in your life ever? Like anyway, so um, start. Why don't you tell everybody where you were born and raised? I was born and raised in central Pennsylvania. I'm a proud uh, Pennsylvania, central Maine. I live in central Pennsylvania. I was born in Maine, brought up on a dairy farm in a small community, Bradford, Maine. Shout out to Bradford, Maine. Remember Hee Haw? Yep, I do. They would have saluted Hee Haw on, on uh, or they would have saluted Bradford on Hee Haw. You know, salute wow. because there's 482 people and 5,000 wow. cows. So wow, yeah, wow. central. I'm a makes me a maniac, <laughs> right? So be well, careful today. You have that in common with the guy that just made this comment, Joe Ingram. Um, <laughs> so he's a maniac, but he's in he's a California maniac. So 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 Dan. Uh, Growing up there, I mean, I grew up in a in a very very small town in Ohio, where there were more cows than people. Um, so I'm I'm familiar with that whole concept. Um, talk about what it was like for you as a kid. Like what? I mean, what was life like? What pushed you in the direction that you ended up going as an adult? Well, uh, life when I was growing up was fantastic. What pushed me uh, to where I'm at today is after I left home. When I, I left home when I was 18, went off to college and never went back because I never wanted to milk another cow in the rest of my life. 
having said yeah. that, you know, I I love being brought up on a farm. And I still think you're always who you were when you were 13. Yeah. You know, you kind of like you love the stuff you anyway. Um yeah. I was milking cows, but I love the equipment. I love, you know, all the stuff that you did. And I'll tell you, one of the great things about being brought up on a farm is you don't choose whether you're going to get up and do your chores or not. Right. You you yep. just you do your business and you're not really worried about like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to really do that today. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. You, know, you do it. And that's what I also hated about farming is you had to milk cows twice a day. Uh, I, I, I think this can dairy farmers maybe aren't the sharpest tools in the shed because you got to milk cows. <laughs> no offense to dairy farmers. You got to milk cows twice a day, at least grow crops, right? Yeah. Or raise beef cattle, you know, but, right. but anyway, it was a great life and it taught me to love work and I yeah. do enjoy work and, and still to this day, get up early and uh, get busy. I, I have always said that, well, I've said since the, 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 my early twenties, I worked for a farmer long, long time ago and, um, in a separate business that he had. And, and, and one day he goes, Hey, I need you to come out to the field with me. It's getting ready to rain and we've got hay laying out there and we got to get it, get it in before the rain hits. And I'm like, why? And he, he's like, I don't have time. Just come on. And I go out there wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and gloves and tennis shoes. And I, I've, I, since that day, I, I've, I've said every teenager in America needs to go bale hay for a summer because that will give you a completely different perspective on life. Like completely, especially if you're wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. So, so there's nothing, I honestly, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything quite like working on a farm. I mean, it is serious work. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's, and I didn't know it at the time, but it's a family business and I didn't know I was part of the family business. I just, that was the life you lived. And, you know, grandfather Morrison had the farm and then my dad bought it. And I remember, you know, going with Grampy when I was little and riding on the, I probably, we were probably breaking a million OSHA regulations. <laughs> uh, I was riding on the fender of the tractor, you know, right. on the field. And uh, yeah. it, it's a wonderful life, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a hard life. Don't get me wrong. But like you're saying, and by the way, I agree. Don't wear shorts when you're getting the hay in, you know, no. heaven help us. So no, you don't uh, want to do that life. <laughs> it's, it's really, and it's a pain that lasts for quite a while. You're picking, picking hay out of places. You didn't realize you could get hay in. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> it's no fun. So, so, so when you, um, so you graduated high school over in, in central Maine and um, you went off to college. Where'd you go to college? Yeah. Well, the first time I went to college, I went off to Bible college and uh, I, my first degree is in theology. And wow. so we went down to Missouri and uh, my future wife to be, I married my high school sweetheart 
we went off to college together and uh you know it was living large and and we had no idea how how hicks we were you know country <laughs> hicks bump right. you know and, and you know i still love country life so no offense to people who enjoy country life i'm out here uh you know i'm out here we moved to williamsport it's uh 30,000 people who that's too big for me man so we're we're out we're like 10 yeah we're 10 miles out of town you know out in the countryside right. Right. we love country life Right. So, uh, you know, I no offense to that, but uh, we moved into, you know, went off to college and you start to see life differently, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it was a good experience. Sure. Sure. So what did, so you went, you, you, your first, you said your first jaunt in college was Bible college. Yes. Wow. And you got a degree in theology. Yes. And then where did things go from there? Did you um, become a minister? Well, I've always been engaged in uh, church, you know, church world. It's just part of my life. Sure. Um, Later on um, here in Williamsport, I went to work at a Penn State affiliate and uh, I got a two-year degree in construction and design Okay. And then I started teaching some, you know, I started teaching some of the courses, became adjunct uh, for them and spent 15 years working uh, at this Penn State affiliate and eventually became uh, what they call a workforce development consultant. Okay. And that was a position inside. It wasn't an exterior position. It was a position inside. And I dealt with the community. I uh, uh, did uh, adult ed. I did staff development stuff, handled, you know, handle that kind of thing. And uh, uh, it was there that I got my MBA uh, and and that was helpful. So, and that's when I really got interested in leadership because I always thought I was great at being a leader, but I really sucked at it. And and so I, I found out that I had a lot to learn. And that's when the whole leadership freak thing came up. That's where, you know, I got my opportunity to really influence people on every country of the world. Wow. Which is a book that you wrote, right? Actually, that's the blog I write. So all oh, the blog. Been, yes. That's been going on for 12 years now. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just started that thing, man. I just like... I just knew I wanted to make a difference. I had like a midlife crisis around 48 or something like that. I, and uh, I've had several midlife crises. You ought to have a lot of them, really. Right. Uh, because you have, you evaluate your life. And I valued my, evaluated my life. And I thought, you got more in you. Thankfully, I didn't unbutton my shirt, put on a gold chain, buy a two-seat sports car, and divorce my wife. I did buy a two-seat sports car but I didn't do the others. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just knew I had more in me. And uh, that's when I, I said to myself, I'm just going to, I'm just going to write uh, five days a week for a year and see what happens. Yeah. And the rest is history. You know, I, I got excited about it. So you didn't divorce your wife. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to put your, um, www.leadershipfreak.blog. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm going to put that up on the screen here in a second. So well, thank you. People, people can go check that out. Leadershipfreak.blog. Make sure you go check that out. Um, so, so, and you were, you said midlife crisis. How, how old were you? 48 or so. It was before 50. Okay. Uh, I took the month of July off. I'll never forget. You know, I, here's what happens to all of us. We go through these cycles of, we come up on, we, we start to feel dissatisfied with life. Yeah. Totally great. It's, it's, I, I would, I would, I'm not a betting man really, but I would bet that Ken, you started what you're doing today here because of some measure of dissatisfaction, something, yeah. you know, you felt like there was more or something. Well, that's what was going on for me. I took the month of July off and I told my friends, don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. And what I learned later is often these moments in life, it takes a while for them to build up, but then they tend to resolve quickly. And it's like, ah, and we have this gestalt. We have this moment of, of awakening or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, and we get a little new direction. Right, sometimes people right. quit their jobs after, sometimes they do this or that or whatever. And one of the things that I did is I tried to find a way to, you know, kind of influence people or really help myself, just like what you said, yeah. help myself, uh, because I just needed to kind of get that out. I, I think that it's, um, you know, I'm blessed to have 21 years of sobriety also and, and, and recovery mm -hmm. that comes along with that. And I, I think that, the biggest secret in life, which really isn't a secret, but I think one of the biggest secrets or keys, and we can talk about this, and I'm sure it's in your books, I would imagine, is, is helping other people. When you help other people, it's inevitable that you get helped. Yes, absolutely. You know, I've learned so much over the these last 12 years because like the books you see behind me, they've, they've almost all of them been sent to me by publishers and authors because they want to, they want to get exposure. You know, you're popular because people want to, you know, uh, get, you know, exposure, you have an audience. And so I, I would get these books and I started saying to the publishers, well, look, I, I need to talk to the author. I didn't know they wanted to talk to me, but come <laughs> to find out they did. And I've learned so much from people. And one of the things I've learned is, uh, you know, simple ways to talk about the purpose of life. And the purpose of life is really to contribute, you know. Uh, and one, uh, one author said to me, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. He said, you know, if you're not sure what your purpose in life is, I can tell you it's very easy. Grow and give. And it's just brilliant, you know, very simple. And, uh, yeah, you you learn to contribute, and that's where it's at. Yeah, I... <laughs> All right. Well, hey, class is out. Um, thank you. So, <laughs> I mean, that that pretty much summarizes it. Here, Here's the thing, though, and I, I know that you know this, um, or I think you, you would agree. Do you find that most people are um, looking for the shortcut? Well, we do want to have fast results, don't we? 
I like fast results. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> a huge is. fan of yeah. And just think of, uh, again, you know, I, you've been doing this for five years, I think. Yeah. Uh, you probably, your audience is bigger today than it was when you began. M most certainly. And, yeah. and you began for yourself and in a way you do the whole thing, you do it for yourself, but you give it away. I like to talk to people that way about what I'm doing online because I give stuff, I give stuff, I give my best away every day. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you just, that's what life is about. And, and so the work is, it's not painful. I mean, you're always working to be better, but it's, it's joyful. Yeah. And then if you get a little confirmation, like Ken, you, you've obviously got social confirmation. Yeah. People are listening. And right. then that kind of puts, you know, pat me on the head like a three-year-old and tell me I'm doing a good job and I'm going to work even harder. <laughs> it's the truth. I, I, I mean, that's something else that I've, I've said in the past is I think people, and I don't have, like, I'm not, I didn't go to college. I, I only have experience to, to, to go at, off of, but you know, like I, I think people want recognition for a job well done more than they want financial rewards. Very powerful. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I just wish my boss would give me a pat on the back once in a while. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about money. Although a pat on the back with a nice check, <laughs> that's not that's not going to leave anybody feeling bad, I don't think. So, yeah. you know, I think, yeah. and my buddy Jeff is watching right now and, and, you know, give it away. That, that's something that I've, I've heard so many people. In fact, I have a, a, I'll, I'll I'll pull it out of my little drawer here and show you. I have this thing that is very tattered, but it's it's Malachi 3, 10 through 12. It's it's a a, a pastor gave that to me 30 years ago. Like and I've carried that with me for 30 plus years. And and it's it's bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and my children may have food, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's all about the principle of giving. It's biblical. It's in it's in every, you know, yep. thing written, sp spiritual thing ever written, I think. So, so what, what part of your, um, or how much of your writings are around that giving to others and helping others? Yes. Uh, I've written so much. I write, uh, five days a week. Um, occasionally I take a day off. <clears throat> Excuse me, but even on um, even on uh, vacation, I I just I'm so used to getting up and doing my chores yeah. that I, I sort of feel like you know that's what I need to do. So I've written so much. I'm not sure. Um, I write two leaders, and I like to write a lot about uh, bringing your best self. I like to write about you know what you're talking about. How do you serve others how do you contribute to others uh, that's so important to me and and for me personally i think overcoming the fear of people are going to take advantage of you 
or you know not understanding how to say no and how to how to leverage the best opportunities to give right. because there are more opportunities to give or contribute than you could possibly fulfill so you know we're navigating some of this which isn't all warm and fuzzy we're trying to make some decisions but in the end there's this heart and i think that's what i love to you know encourage leaders with i coach uh, leaders and when I'm coaching leaders, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, noticing their heart and bringing their heart to work because, boy, that's where the energy is. Right. It, it really is. So so you were you said you went through this midlife crisis at 48. About. Yep. Um. That's interesting because that's 47, 48 is when I had a huge shift and start over kind of thing in life, wrote my first book and all of that. So um, that's that's um, that's very interesting. I loved it. I love to ask people about uh, how old they are. So I'll get, you know, inquiries about coaching and, you know, I send them a questionnaire and all of that. And, you know, I'm watching for that because there is a juncture in life in it's not unusual that we we come to that juncture what's i think difficult or sad is that we go through that experience without a mentor without somebody in our life it you know explain doesn't explain it to us i didn't yeah. know what was going on i ended up in the library kind of like doing some research and finding out you know this pattern that happens and honestly about every 10 years we have some sort of identity crisis so you sure. go off to college you find yourself in a new way right you graduated from college then you get married maybe you, you know get married or you have children now you got to find yourself in a new way right yeah. and and i it's about you know every 10 years or so we're going through a, some sort of way of finding ourselves which i think the journey of life really is to uh, you know, learn how to bring your best self into the world instead right. of the self that everybody else expects you to bring. I have a, <laughs> I see that's Laura. my, that's my, my friend, Dr. Laura. I, I, she's, she's a nurse practitioner. Um, but you know, I think, I think about that, this stuff that you're talking about, I think about this a lot, a whole lot. Like, how do you, and I, I'm, I'm just going to express my opinion a little bit. I think we have the entire college thing messed up in this country, in this world. We're telling an 18 year old kid, go pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, I've thought about this a lot. Like, why are we doing that? Make them go knock on doors or, or, or do you know do something work on a farm for a couple two or three years or something before they they go okay I'm gonna go be a doctor a lawyer or whatever it is because I think that people get stuck in that that frame of mind like this is what my parents told me I need to be so I am yep so so powerful love your insight there I think it's true. What I noticed about college students is the freshmen come in, 
half of them fall off the deep end. They, they, their lives fall apart. They stay up all night playing video games or they go out on party night, you know, and they get drunk and all of this. And, and, but eventually they do come around, you know, the ones who don't drop out early and they, you know, I just noticed as the years pass, how they do change, but we all know, uh, well, how many people do you know who went to school for one thing? They're not doing that. They're just not <laughs> right. And Nine, what, you know, why not? Yeah. Because they, <laughs> they are, they have found themselves in a new way. Yes. And it's like, it's just, it's a good thing, but it's dissatisfying. It doesn't, it doesn't fuel the energy which yep. is another topic I, you know, I love the uh, energy topic. Love to talk about where that comes from. You know, I, I love that. That's one of my favorite topics right there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. We, we can identify, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't think it, it requires a whole lot of brain power to realize that, that especially if you're 35, 40, 50 years old, the, the 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 18 year old version of me is not even close to the 55 year old version of me not even remotely close right and and so but but how many people at 50 years old are still allowing their 18 year old or even 10 year old self to run their life and i was thinking about this just a couple of days ago i was like I wonder how many people real uh, don't realize that their their ten year old self is is still making their major life decisions. And would you turn your life over to a ten year old to run it? <laughs> right? right? No, not me. Heaven help us. <laughs> <laughs> right? But am I wrong about that, or am I just a, a nut job? I I, can't, I don't know. I feel you know, like there's something to that. Well, I, I think you're right. And I, you know, this, there, our personal uh, growth and the realization of who we are is an iterative process. Yes. We, you know, we're at one stage, we, we think one thing and let's face it, when you're growing up and you're, when you're little uh, people pleasing is my favorite thing I hate about myself, right? I'm a people pleaser. So you're, 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 you grow up, you please your mom and dad. That's not all bad, right? You, you learn. You know, you please mom and dad, things go better. You go to school, please your teacher, right? Then right. you uh, get a job, please your boss. You know, you get a spouse, please your spouse. And in that in that journey, we lose ourselves. I think we're, you know, maybe fairly authentic when we're five or six years old. Not very smart, but we're fairly <laughs> right. we're pretty much who we are. But but right. uh, we, then we lose ourselves. And I, I honestly believe, you know, that coming back, uh, uh is a little bit about following the energy. Yeah. Is people get drained when they're, you know, people pleasing just sucks a life out of you. Yep. Then when you begin to find yourself a little more, you feel that energy coming back. That's natural for us. That's healthy. Yeah. Totally agree. I used to have a sign. Hey, I heard that Oprah had this in her office. And I was like, well, hey, I I you know, I'm not necessarily a huge Oprah fan, but I love this saying, um, be responsible for the energy you bring into this space. Mm. And, and, and I love that because I don't think people think enough or spend enough time 
considering the energy that's going out in front of them. Like our energy meets people before we ever do. And I don't think people realize that. No, no. Right. It's so, it's so funny to me because we kind of walk around and we think, why is the world like this? And <laughs> a lot of the reason the world is like this is because that's the way we're inviting people. You know, that's what we're doing with people. So it's like, taking ownership of who we are and then, uh, you know, understanding what it means to, uh, you know, live your, be your best self. And by the way, uh, Ken, I, I'm not a huge fan of just like be yourself. It just feels a little indulgent. I like the aspirational side of it, you know, become your best self. Now, don't be fake, but I think I have more in me. I think I'm I'm learning about who I am and what's important, and I need to be bringing that to the world. And then that's iterative versus oh, you know, I'm you know, I got to be authentic, so I don't do that. No, sometimes you do. Yeah, I I've and Laura says. Be in the empathetic side where you actually feel people before they speak. Best gift with my patience, but hard in life, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I that's the the uh, you know what you just said though. Like the, I I really feel like, and I again I don't have like my own scientific research studies that I've done outside of just living, but I really feel like the energy that we're putting out, what we get in life is definitely a reflection of the energy we're putting out in life. Oh my. And this is where in leadership, uh, you know, the the vagrant, the book that's going to drop here on uh, on September 19th. There it uh, is. Yeah. Thanks for showing that with John David Mann, who is awesome. I totally agree with you. He's amazing. Um, But you know, the, the story is about self-discovery and we, we go on this journey and we, we think we're doing well. And we wonder why, why are people, why do I have adversarial relationships? Right. Well, you right. know, my daughter said to me, uh, you know, one time she was an adult. She said, dad, I think you like to scare people. And it's like, I'm a fuzzy teddy bear. What are you talking uh- about? I don't like to scare people. But see, some, there are these junctures in life where we hear something that uh, we, well, let's, let me say it this way, Ken. Sometimes other people know us better than we know ourselves. And that's where we right. need to listen. So in the story of the vagrant, here's a guy who is very talented, high aspirations, and boom, just like what you were saying, he bumps into all kinds of obstacles, many of which right. are unnecessary and, and uh, ends up, you know, going through great adversity. John likes to say that we take this main character in the story, Bob, who is, I'm, I'm humbled to say, and because he screws up so much, I'm humbled because he his mistakes are, uh, many of them are the ones I made. Mm-hmm. But uh, John likes to say, we take this main character, his name is Bob, and we just beat the daylights out of him. <laughs> Right. So, I, I I think though. Tell me what you think, Dan. 
I've like, I had two amazing doctors in my, my office house the other day, cup on Saturday for about four hours of one-on-one coaching. I was helping them with some stuff. And, um, I think that people are so, um, opposed to making mistakes that they try to make sure everything is perfect before they'll take action. And my personal opinion is that's just dumb. <laughs> like you're going, like you can't like uh, Tony Robbins. I remember Tony Robbins talking about this. Like, you know, we don't tell the average one-year-old, Hey, you fell down. Stop that. Don't, don't try to walk ever again. Like you felt don't, you know, like you, you're going to make mistakes in life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity. Here's Laura. Said, I'm dumb. I, I, I'm that dumb. So, and it's, and it's awesome to be uh, dumb and make yes. mistakes. It's like, that's where, you know, that's how life changes. It's like, you know, when you, you have a midlife crisis, you look back and say, well, that was a dumb thing to do. That was not the right way to live. I don't want to live that way. Right. You know, I, I have a different way of looking at it. So, uh, we, we do, you know, mistakes or learning opportunities instead of, you know, time to beat yourself up. But we all have that loud inner critic. You know, my inner critic, his favorite word is loser, you know, <laughs> right. you know, right. and, uh, you know, but we all have, uh, I don't know anybody really who doesn't have that loud inner critic that's like, and if we're not careful, we that loud inner critic. I'm not sure is really committed to our success. I think he's maybe committed to protect. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, you know, when we let that control us and we have to get everything right, then uh, you know, then we get paralyzed, we get stuck, yeah. and we get drained. Yeah, I, I so many people have said, you know, how in the world did you? make your podcast and your, I mean, I've got the, you know, Facebook gave me the blue check mark back before you could buy it. And, you know, like I, I, and I'm like, I, I think the actual reason, and, and this is, this is scientific is I was just dumb enough to keep doing it. <laughs> like I, no matter what did not matter. Like I, I, I screwed that up. Let's try it again. You know, let's just yes. keep going. And, and that's it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's another way. If there is, I'm not familiar with it. Right, right. But think of how you are today compared to back when you started and how much you've changed and how much you've learned and the the quality of life and the the fulfillment that you feel now compared to... And it, it was... And I'm I'm totally with you, man. I just started writing. I hadn't written anything except some, you know, school papers and contracts at the college, and I hadn't written anything. And uh, you know, I, somehow it got. I don't ask me how it got traction, right? But it yeah. got traction, and people ask you, Ken, how did you get this huge audience? You know, they ask me, Dan, how do you get you know an audience like this? And it's like. I, I don't know. You just go out there and do the work, right? Yeah. You just go out there and, and yeah. keep honing your skill and keep trying to be better at it. 
and then give it away, right? Give it away, try to contribute. And then, yeah. wow, it's incredible what can happen to a person. It's, it's like, how did you store up all of that milk? We milk the cows twice a day, every day. We didn't miss a day. What do you mean? They keep producing. We keep milking. It's weird. It's a, it's just the way it works. <laughs> like, so, so, um, I, I, I think are we oversimplifying life for people? Cause I, I, I don't like complicated things. I don't like, I'm a great problem solver, but I, I, I'd prefer not to. I just like, can we just keep it simple and just do the work? That's it's really simple, actually. I think that in the big picture, life is very simple. Sometimes you get down in the nitty gritty and things happen and you have to make hard decisions. Yeah. Right. And it feels complicated. And and it it, it can be, and it is, especially in the business world. But when you're dealing with like the big concepts, right? I think that anyone can grasp them. I don't think they're they're confusing. I don't think they're difficult. And I, I you know, I wish I could make them difficult or or confusing because then I could sound smarter. But <laughs> you know, we're really just talking about uh, getting out there and doing your, you know, doing something. And here's a here's a rule for you. Here's a rule. As long as you're relatively confident it's not going to cause harm, go ahead. Right? right? Now, you're going to have varying levels of clarity. Sometimes you feel very clear about something. And as you've developed over the last five years, yeah. you know, in your in your uh, podcast here, you you understand better what works. Uh, when you first started out, you know, you're just uh, uh, this seems like something good. You, you, you just say, this seems like something good to do. I don't think it's going to be damaging. Uh, I don't think it's going to be harmful. And then, you know, you say, well, that wasn't the best, but, but, uh, and yeah. on you go. So we're all nervous about, am I making the right decision? Am I making the right decision? Um, yeah. Here's what I think, Ken, you know what to do when you know who you are. And, mm. and there is this sense mm. of, of uh, identity-based leadership, identity-based decision-making. And I don't mean that to be uh, all, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with driving a car. Right. 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 It has to do with these life decisions. Right. Right. You know, driving a car, there are certain rules, you know, one foot for the gas and the brake. Yeah. <laughs> <There's> no yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you when you learn that, it makes it a lot easier if there a clutch becomes involved, <laughs> right? Like, what's his new pedal? What? Anyway, so so um, which is a metaphor for life because things just show up sometimes, and you're like, I wow, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. Like, what do you think though? And I I do like to ask every guest a couple of questions. Um, you know, number one is what do you think in your opinion, um, is holding people back in life? And, and, and it's a twofold question. Like I've been broke and homeless and I've been wealthy and wealthy is way better. I don't care what anybody says. I think that, that 
money, having money is a really, really, really good thing. And it does create the opportunity to, to have a, a happier life. I, cause like, you know, it's not easy to be happy when you can't buy food. It's very difficult. So, so what do you think stops people from having it all from having the, the financial well-beingness and the, the real joy and happiness in life? What's, what's holding them back? I think a confusion about where the biggest challenge is. The mm. biggest challenge that we face, we think it's out there. We think it's, you know, it's earning the money. We think it's, uh, you know, making it, it, exactly the right decision. But I, I really think the biggest challenge we face is an internal challenge about how we view ourselves and discovering who we are and how we want to show up in the world. This is a huge challenge for people because of people pleasing expectations. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to leaders in particular, because I le I deal with leaders and managers, right? You know, they think I'm supposed to show up this way. I'm supposed to show up and you know the answer. This is a huge roadblock when, mm. when people think, you know, instead of the, the inner confidence to say, I'm showing up to ask a question. I'm showing up as a learner, not necessarily. Now, you got to know, <laughs> wrong, but I don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. We're going to show up as a learner and a person who helps other people thrive. Because I used to think when I showed up, I had to show up with the answer and I had to show up and convince all those idiots that I had the right answer. And son of a gun, they had different thoughts about things. And, and, I think that, you know, what holds us back is a misunderstanding even about for in leadership in, in particular and management is, is a misunderstanding of what it is in general about life. Mm -hmm. I think it's misunderstanding the big challenge because the big challenge, the big journey is the journey into the heart and learning not to be a faker and learning to, you know, put your best self forward. Wow. That's some powerful stuff right there. When you, when you, so is this your first book, The Vagrant? Yes, I have, a, okay. I've contributed and I put out some eBooks from material that I've written before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with John, you know, this is the first book that like there's a publisher and we had to do all the edits and you know what I'm talking about, everything yep. that goes with it. I do. Um, you've got some great, uh, Ken Blanchard gave you an endorsement. That's pretty Ken cool. Ken is wonderful. Yep. Yes. So, so when you decided to write this book, what, why, why did you, and, and for everybody watching this book comes out, when does it come out? September 19th. September 19th. Can it be pre-ordered right now on Amazon? It can be. Okay. Yes, it can. Um, so everybody watching, go get it, pre-order it, The Vagrant. Um, so talk about why you decided to write this and how in the world did you get that crazy guy, John David Mann, involved? <laughs> I love John. He's amazing. Yes. John, yes. if you're watching, you know, I love you. Um, yes. so, so no, how, how did John be, 
come about and 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 this book well uh i had the story in my heart and mind for about 10 years and i tried to write it but it was just crap you know i just don't have the skill to write this narrative style i don't write that way yeah. and i tried and it was just frustrating and finally uh i just thought about you know and here's one of the secrets of life ken and that is invite people into your life invite smart people into your life invite yeah. talented people into your life my goodness how life changes you know i if it's the lone ranger thing is nuts yeah you know it's just nuts and so uh i reached out to john really through bob i just touched base with bob because i know bob berg you know bob berg yeah. from the go-giver yeah. Yeah. And I knew uh, about the go-giver thing because they sent me yeah. the books and all that. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to John because I thought to myself, why not aim high? Why not reach out for the best? Because I know John's written many uh, business fables and yeah. that's what this is. And and uh, so I just uh, got his number, set up a call and uh, got on the phone. I said, this is what I have in mind, John. And I told him the story in brief. Yeah. And uh, he said, he said, this is how long it took, right? He said, Dan, I got chills. This is really exciting. Let's do it. And that's how deep it got. We, you know, we went through uh, some conversations. I'm yeah. telling the story. John, you know, it, get the best people you can involved in your life. And for me, that was, he's the best. So uh, John took the story that I told him and then we emailed back and forth and he added a couple characters and, yeah. you know, he took something that was basically like a little moped and turned it into a race car. Right. And I'm so, I'm so excited about it. So John that's how that happened. But the, I think the lesson is, here is uh, if you feel stuck, one of the best things you can do for yourself is is invite somebody into your life uh, that you know has has gone further than you, that's smarter than you, and you know. And if you can't get them involved some way, find a way to get involved with them. Help them do something uh, to get the outside in. Very very important uh, thing to do for all of us. Totally agree with that. And everything you said about John, I agree with. He's, he's amazing. Like if you've ever read anything, if you've not read the go-giver, you should, um, because it's just amazing what he does with, with, with books. I just got this, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm excited to read it. Cause I know, I know how, I know what, how how talented john is and now i see your energy is amazing so this this should be a really really good book mm, um yes so september 19th is when the book comes out so everybody listening or watching make sure now is leadershipfreak.blog is it going to be available to to click on and get from there or what is there another website there will be, uh, you know, the basic book providers and your local bookstore, of course, you know, Barnes yeah. and Noble and Amazon. But um, yeah. really, go to your local bookstore and support those local businesses uh, yeah. that are that are every day. There's little author communities in your in your community, and there are businesses that are supporting authors and have books available. 
And, uh, you know, go, you know, I had a couple of friends say, I went down to the bookstore and I said, they said, I want to get this book, The Vagrant, right? And, and uh, can you get it for me? Because they want to get it into the local bookstores. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, so let me, let me ask you this. You know, I, I remember many, many years ago having a car repossessed in front of my employees. <laughs> that, that was a really terrible day. Um, but I can remember thinking, why even continue on in life? Like what's this? It was so humiliating. Um, and there are so many people who actually, um, you know, get to that place where they feel like they've tried everything. They've given life everything. They've given their business everything. And they just, they, they can't see a way out. Maybe cars repoed, electric being shut off. I, I've been through all of that as a business owner. And <clears throat> what, what would you say if somebody called you and said, Dan, I, I can't afford to pay attention and, and like, I don't know, I don't know which way to go in life. What would you say to help bring them back to this moment where you and I know it's going to work out, but I, I mean, my gosh, during 2020 and all of that, that, I mean, the suicide rates skyrocketed and, you know, I mean, it was crazy. What do you say to bring somebody back to the moment? Yes. Wonderful question, Ken. And I think one of the things I would ask is, uh, what do you need to stop doing? What is it, mm -hmm. What hasn't been working for you? There are parts of our lives that feel like we're pushing a rope. And it's just like, you know, struggle, struggle, struggle. And we are afraid to let go. We are afraid to, you know, let that uh, go. And that becomes a weight in our lives. So lots of times when I deal with leaders, I like to ask them, what do you, uh, you know, what are you doing that's just sucking the life out of you? And how can you stop doing that? And, and I feel like if somebody is at that place where they're at the end of the rope, it isn't all bad to say, you know, what are the things that have really been holding me back? What are the things that just suck the life out of me? I think that's this, that's a good start. And then self-reflection, uh, the practice of of structured self-reflection, which we talk about in The Vagrant, and, and there are practices at the end, is life-changing for people. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, Ken, but for me, I've gone on and on dealing with frustration and not even noticed that I'm carrying so much frustration. I'm just frustrated and I'm, you know, and I, I go to bed frustrated or I think about things and it makes me angry. And then yeah. if you just take a moment and slow down and engage in some structured self-reflection. Like what's causing this frustration? What did I do to contribute to that? Those moments of, of self-reflection can often reveal what the path forward looks like. Totally agree. I, I, I meditate every day of my life and I have for 20 years. And yes. People, I remember when somebody said, to me, you need to meditate. I was like, that's not in the Bible. That's evil. What are you talking about? And, um, and they're like, uh, but except Jesus meditates, it's like 40 days and 40 nights. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, but you know, I, 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 
I think that it's it's um, one of the most important things that that a human being can do. Mm. Yes, I I well I, when I get new clients, especially younger clients, right, and, and usually they're at least in their thirties. But uh, mm. when I get younger clients, I'll ask them, uh, "Tell me about your self reflection practice." And they look at me like a cow looks at a new gate. <laughs> right. like, what's that? Right. You know what I mean? Is right. they're too yeah. busy? They're too. They're working too hard for this stuff. They're too busy to uh, actually take even five minutes at the end of the day and jot down a few ideas about, you know, what worked, what didn't work. What did I learn? What are my joys? What are my frustrations? Any final words you would like to leave with, with everybody listening or watching any, um, anything you'd like to say to, to everyone here at the end of the show? I think, you know, I, we talked a lot about uh, like, so the inner journey, which yeah. uh, the, the vagrant is uh, the inner journey of leadership. But yeah. I really think uh, I want to go back to that, like John David Mann reaching out to John. And uh, I think one of the most useful things any of us can do is invite some people into our lives. I'm an introvert. I, I'm, my, I'm my own favorite company. My favorite place is on the back deck with my wife and no one else. And uh, that's great. I need that in my life. But I also need other people, smart people. And perhaps one of the best things you can do is invite some people into your life that uh, can speak some of those things that you don't expect. And listen, when you hear something that like doesn't make sense to you, like when my daughter said, I think you like to scare people. Oh, my that's something to listen to that'll help propel us forward. Amen. Anybody ever tell you that you sound like Paul Harvey? No, but uh, if I do, uh, that's good. Although I heard someone say Paul Harvey (laughs) was the triumph of style over content, which I don't really know if that's true or not, but (laughs) he certainly had a great voice. Well, can you say for me and that's, that's the as what did he say and that's the rest of the story is that (laughs) what is that what it was uh he would would also say this is uh, her good day or something (laughs) like that didn't he say (laughs) (laughs) no you are absolutely wonderful thank you for um coming on today and sharing with the audience your wisdom and and everybody listening or watching, I'm holding up a copy of The Vagrant. Thank you, by the way, for sending me an, an early copy of this. Um, it's The Inner Journey of Leadership, and there's nothing more important, in my opinion, than The Inner Journey. So um, if you want to learn to be a much better leader, get this book. Go go, go pre-order it right now on Amazon. And... Um, when it comes out on September 19th, go to your local bookstore and, and, and buy a copy of it. So Dan, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Ken, it's uh, an honor to meet you and to spend time with you. <laughs> Any friend of uh, John David Mann has got to be a okay. John's a good guy. I like that guy a lot. He's, he cracks me up. Like I can't even say his name without smiling. He's just one of those people. He's so funny. 
But uh, Dan, thank you so much. I'm going to end the live stream. So anybody watching, if you um, shared this out, thank you so much for sharing. Um, if you didn't share it out, there is time to redeem yourself and um, and go ahead and share this out so we can get this message out to a lot of people. So make sure you go over to leadershipfreak.blog and follow Dan, subscribe to his blog. And um, yeah, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here, Dan. Yep. Thank you, Ken. So stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to end this though. Hang on. Thanks so much.